on. I'm on three seats. <laughs> Look, there goes the game. You're listening to Ithaca Now. WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, George Christopher, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, I'll bring you a deluxe edition of Politics Beat, breaking down the latest police reform recommendations from the Reimagining Public Safety Special Committee. We'll hear a sneak preview of Episode 7 of Haya, or How Are You Actually?, looking at the unique mental health challenges faced by foreign students. But first, we have Sarah Payne and Liam McDermott with Community Beat. Starting tomorrow, the city of Ithaca will start its annual street cleaning schedule and the city requests that cars be moved off the street when their street is meant to be cleaned. No parking signs will be put up 24 hours in advance of a street being closed. One can also receive notifications about a street closing from Tompkins Siren. The process will begin tomorrow on some South Hill and Lower College Town streets. Within the first week, Streets near Six Mile Creek, Cornell Campus, and other parts of College Town will be cleaned. On the day in which certain street is to be closed, parking in those areas are prohibited after 7 a.m., and vehicles that remain after the fact can be ticketed and towed. Streets can be parked in again after the sign has been removed by the DPW staff post-cleaning. Ithaca High School senior Clara Bennett will be performing in the Irish Dancing World Championships in Montreal next week. This comes as Bennett finished ninth place in the regional competition in Philadelphia back in November. Bennett will compete against 2,500 other Irish dancers from April 4th through the 7th. Yesterday, the Ithaca Farmers Market began its outdoor season at Steamboat Landing. This is the 50th season for the market, and there are special products being sold in honor of that fact, such as Raglan Sleeve shirts commemorating the event. The 50th season also sees new vendors on the scene. Quote, if you stop by Steamboat Landing this season, you will find kombucha and hard ciders from Redbird Orchard Cider, nursery trees, plants, and seasonal produce from Perry City Orchard and Nurtery, an array of honey products from Pick a floor farm, chicken wings from Wally Wings and things, and plenty more, says IFM operations manager Cassidy Graham. Vendors vary from week to week, and updates on who is at the market is posted on Friday morning. The Ithaca Farmers Market is located on 3rd Street near Aldi and is open 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday. Sunday hours will be back next month, starting on May 7th, according to the Ithaca Market website. The Community Justice Center Advisory Board here in Tompkins County is looking for seven community members here in Ithaca to apply to be on the board. The board says that each member will receive a two-year term that they are looking for someone who wants equity when it comes to public safety here in Tompkins County. Anyone who is interested should submit an application to the Ithaca City Hall Clerk's Office by April 25th. There is a required quarantine occurring after an official confirmed case of a highly pathogenic avian influenza occurred with one of the pheasants at Reynolds Game Farm. The New York State Department of Environmental Conservation is working on the outbreak. At the farm, around 6,000 other birds will be euthanized to prevent further avian flu outbreaks. Prior to the euthanization process, 500 pheasants, or close to 8% of the birds on the farm, were reported to have died, as noted by the DEC Public Information Officer, Lori Servino. Servino also mentioned that the DEC, USDA, National Veterinary Services Laboratory, and the State Department of Agricultural Markets are collaborating to respond to the avian flu outbreak. 
and Ithaca-based film company Photosynthesis Productions released a new film this week in the in, on the life of civil rights leader Dorothy Cotton, who had ties right here in Ithaca. The film, titled Move When the Spirit Says Move, the legacy of Dorothy Foreman Cotton, tells the story of how Cotton, who was a close advisor to Martin Luther King Jr., became a pioneer in the civil rights movement in America. The film is currently playing at Cinemopolis through April 8th. For Sarah Payne, I'm Leah McDermott. You're listening to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, George Christopher. The reimagining public safety process has become a point of constant debate within the city of Ithaca and Tompkins County. The initial process and recommendations made by the reimagining public safety working group remains highly contentious. Earlier this month, a reimagining public safety special committee issued a new set of recommendations. I set out to learn more. Last February, the Reimagining Public Safety Working Group published its recommendations for the City of Ithaca and the reimagining process. The recommendations included a call for a new Department of Public Safety, which would be subdivided between traditional armed police officers and unarmed first responders, with each group being assigned different types of emergency calls to respond to. Almost immediately, the process and its report came under scrutiny, as critics said the working group overstepped their bounds and didn't take in enough input from the police department. First Ward Alderperson Cynthia Brock submitted an ethics complaint claiming reimbursement for the group's leaders and actions by then-Mayor Savante Myrick violated city ethics. Though a conclusion to that complaint has been reached by the Tompkins County Ethics Advisory Board, an investigation that is itself the subject of criticism, the city has continued with the reimagining process. The recommendations made by the working group were, quote, accepted but not adopted, unquote, by the Common Council. Instead, the council chose to create a new special committee to study the working group's recommendations and make their own. While the working group was made up of a variety of elected leaders and local officials, the special committee was exclusively made up of common council members, including Cynthia Brock, Phoebe Brown, Robert Contelmo, Duxon Nguyen, and Chairperson George McGonigal. Additionally, local stakeholders did participate in the meetings, including several veterans of the working group. The new report makes five main suggestions. First, the report recommends the creation of a, quote, crisis co-response team, which would respond to certain calls along with traditional police officers. Members of the co-response team would be responsible for connecting individuals and families with appropriate services. This is a significant departure from the initial working group recommendations, which suggested similar unarmed responders exclusively respond to certain calls without armed police present. The second recommendation calls for the creation of a deputy city manager position, which would oversee the city's public safety responses. This would also involve the creation of a pilot program, in conjunction with the PBA, to identify calls which may be responded to by unarmed first responders. Whereas the original plan outlined specific types of calls to be responded to by unarmed first responders, the new plan offers little concrete info on what calls, if any, will be responded to by unarmed responders and gives additional input to the police union. This seems to correspond to criticism Brock levied at the working group for not bringing in adequate input from police. However, it should be noted that the working group did include Ithaca PBA President Tom Kinzella and former IPD Lieutenant Scott Guerin. The third recommendation calls for the city government to maintain and support progressive change in the Ithaca Police Department. Specifically, 
This calls for the IPD to participate in training programs created by the Advocacy Center as well as the Community Justice Center. The fourth recommendation aims to strengthen police accountability to the community by expanding protections for whistleblowers, creating more resources, and training for members of the community police board. As the Ithaca Voice points out, the measure would also give more funding to third-party reviews of community complaints and eliminate the usage of internal investigations by the IPD. The Voice also points out the report does not include subpoena power for the CPB, but does require that police officers and chief participate in CPB investigations. The report calls for labor contracts to be updated requiring this. The final recommendation calls for the city to create a standing committee on public safety to provide constant oversight and facilitate continued conversation amongst the Ithaca community. Overall, the new recommendations seem to offer less assurances for unarmed responses and more assurances that police and the police union will have significant sway in determining what, if any, calls receive an exclusively unarmed response. The report also places more emphasis on external community oversight of the police department than it does a top-down restructuring of the city's public safety departments. The report has been approved and submitted to the Common Council and will be taken up by the Common Council at its meeting this Wednesday. Reporting for Ithaca Now, I'm George Christopher. Hiya, or How Are You Actually, is WICB's podcast focused on student mental health. In Episode 7, host Caitlin Smith talks about the unique mental health challenges faced by students from outside the United States. Here is a special preview. I used to come with the assumption that people know what I'm talking about. But when I came here, it was not extremely easy for people to get me at the first go. Welcome to the How Are You Actually podcast, the podcast that aims to have honest conversations about college students' mental health. I'm your host, Caitlin Smith. All right, so we made it to episode seven, which is wild to me. I feel like I started this podcast like yesterday, but we're at episode seven today. I just came back from spring break, so I apologize for the little delay that might be on this episode. Took a much-needed break, really took the time to recoup, recharge, and get ready for this second quarter that we're now going into. I'm hoping to produce a few more episodes before the end of this school year, so watch out for those releasing most likely every three weeks. But enough about me. Today's episode, we are talking all about the experiences of international students in America and especially how some of the challenges they might face, some of the new experiences that they might have could have effects on their mental health and what resources are being provided and what resources are being neglected. And you might be wondering, why talk about a topic that doesn't affect the majority of college students? And to that, I say it is a large amount of people that are affected by this. Around 4.6 of the United States' population of college students are international students. And that also might sound like a small stat, but then you come to factor in that there are 20 million college students in the United States. And I really want to talk about some of the unique experiences of international students who are coming to learn in the United States, whether that be on a national scale and also on a smaller scale at Ithaca College. So I personally am not an international student. I grew up in the United States. I've always lived here. I've always actually lived in the Northeast region of the United States. So I haven't had 
a lot of familiarity with going abroad, being in different countries. So I am really leaning on the experience and the feedback that I get from current international students at IC, what their experiences are, the challenges that they face, and what they think that both IC and just universities as a whole can do better to accommodate international students. So I had the opportunity to speak with an Ithaca first year named Prakriti Penoir about her experiences as an international student. She is currently a journalism student and she had a lot to say about her experiences, what the school offers, what it can do better, just in general, what it's like to be an international student in Ithaca. Yeah, it's been very interesting. I feel like I've learned a lot over a really short period of time. I feel I'm like mature and I feel like an adult. Um, So that's nice. But yeah, I look forward to this really weird journey for some reason. The US in general, that's always a tough question because everyone like asks me, you know, it's a big change to like leave your home country and then go somewhere else. But I guess for me, it was it was pretty last minute. Like I decided, I think in the middle of 11th grade that I wanted to go out, um, like go abroad. Um, And I think for me, it was just about change because I grew up moving a lot. I changed nine schools, moved around like 10 to 12 cities. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, And I feel like after every two years, I'm like, okay, it's time to move now. And I was like, you know, as soon as I turn 18, I want to have like control over my own life. And like moving out would be a good way to do that and be independent. And just completely being by myself was scary. But I wanted to do that too. I don't know, to build character, I guess. <laughs> so Ithaca specifically has a great journalism program. I heard so much about it. I actually didn't initially know about it. And then someone told me and then I looked into it and I was like, this is this is kind of cool. They have a really cool newspaper, which is where I work now. So that's fun. Um, but yeah, I think the program and like just Spark in general. And they also gave me a lot of money to come here. So I was like, oh, if it's cheap, I'm coming here. Yeah. <laughs> so that was definitely a plus. I also like the fact that it's like small and very liberalazzi because I feel like I need some amount of freedom in whatever I study and like just interdisciplinary stuff so that really appealed to me. So one of the most common struggles for international students does tend to be culture shock and language barriers. If you're coming from a non-English country to somewhere like the U.S. where everyone is expected to know how to speak English and speak English fluently it's very tough. There's a lot of things that can get lost in translation. And that's something that in my research and in my conversations with international students has been one of the leading things. Also, just in general, different cultures have different habits and it might take a second for someone to adjust or someone might be used to doing something completely differently. So adjusting to American culture, which is a very unique culture in and of itself, is it takes time and it can be challenging. Mm-hmm. I guess off the top of my head, like the biggest struggle is definitely like the cultural stuff because, you know, wherever you come from, even like within the US, yeah. if you come from different states, there's always going to be something different, you know, especially in Ithaca because I, um, my parents currently stay in Doha, which is in Qatar. But before that, I sort of stayed in India, in Mumbai and Delhi. So wherever I stayed, it was a big city and I was used to like, 
doing whatever I want to, having a bus come like every two minutes, but then I came to Ithaca, (laughs) which is very different. And that was like a big shock for me because I was like, why do I have to like go down an entire hill to get groceries? (laughs) It's crazy. And like the tea cat will come only every hour or so. So that was like definitely really hard for me to come to terms with just like city versus town and everything. But I guess the people really helped because I was told that people are not very friendly. But then when I came here, everyone was just so helpful. And there were definitely moments where like I felt silly. And again, like coming back to culture, um, in Indian culture, you nod a lot. So you won't like verbally acknowledge what someone is saying, but you're still like moving your head and like doing what you need to to tell them that you're listening. And here I sort of heard people being like, okay, I hear you, got it. And like just using like, you know, filler words in between um, their conversation. And I picked up on that, you know, because I and I that appealed to me more because I feel like it makes more sense to verbally acknowledge what someone is saying. Um, so culturally, I like noticed some stuff and I think it was cool to pick up on that. And I feel like it's made me, um, I think, a more mature person in terms of, you know, just communicating with others. And I think I've now like I used to come with the assumption that people know what I'm talking about. But when I came here initially, um, again, just because of like cultural references or maybe my accent, it was not extremely easy for people to get me at the first go. And then I sort of realized that, you know, not everyone might not like not everyone might know what you're talking about. So just it has this is so far fetched, but it like I feel like it made me a better communicator in one sense. Another category of things that I feel like definitely gets left out when having this conversation sometimes is something I guess I'll group together these issues into something called money and accessibility. A lot of the time, college is expensive. It's expensive to go to college as a U.S. citizen. It's even more expensive in some cases to go to a U.S. school as an international student. There's a lot of issues with money currency, and also visas and government documents. It's tough to maybe get a visa for some people. There's a lot of processes that you have to go through, a lot of just different paperwork that you have to sign. Maybe, again, with the language barrier, it could be tough, things like that. It's also, in my research I found, it's tough for some students to work on the student visa that they receive. The U.S., I don't want to get into like international law and like the economy, but like it's sometimes hard for people that aren't U.S. citizens to work in the U.S. legally. And it could be tough for an international student who maybe is paying for their own college or needs to contribute or just needs extra cash. I mean, everyone in college kind of needs extra cash. And it can be hard to even get a job in certain situations because of the type of visa you might have or the type of industry you're looking for, things like that. And along the lines of insurance and money and things like that, it can be hard for international students to gain access to mental health care. I talked about this in my um, asking for help video where some colleges are really maxed out with the amount of mental health services that they can provide students. And a lot of the time they recommend students to outside providers and things like that. It's sometimes tough for 
international students' insurance to line up with specific providers. It might be tough for them to navigate around an area that they're not from to find someone to help them. It can be very tough in general, and obviously this depends school to school based on what their services are, but it adds just kind of one more step of complication to an already brutally complicated process to get actual mental health treatment in some cases. That's all for tonight's edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org, and if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear this show anywhere, anytime. Also, subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from Manager of Television and Radio Operations Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager Connor Hibbard, and Programming Director Harrison Kona. Thank you. Ithaca Now is produced by News Director George Christopher, with assistance from News Production Director Liam McDermott, our Web Coordinator Inbaini Anbarasan, and Social Media Coordinator Jess Cabrera. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicb.org. We will be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday.